0: Back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the Weaker Vessel.
1: Hello, everyone.
0: We're a part of Rebel Alliance Media, so if you want to learn more about our network, you can go to rebelalliancemedia.com, subscribe to the network in iTunes or your podcast catcher of choice, and you can also financially support us at patreon.com rebelalliance as well as subscribe and check out our videos on YouTube and find us on social media. Mm-hmm. We love interacting with you guys. We appreciate it every week. And so if you want to learn more about the network, go and do all those things.
1: There's some big stuff coming up. So we keep got an some... eye out in the new year.
0: Yeah, we got some big changes coming. Some
1: ch ch changes
0: <laughs> We got some good stuff.
1: So tonight we are literally sitting in our closet that is in disrepair.
0: So, if you've listened to us for you know, a significant amount of time, you know that we record in a closet. Mm-hmm. But Santa has brought too many gifts this year. Our shelving unit literally came off the wall tonight. It
1: collapsed. Like, full on. <laughs> it's not Santa's fault. <laughs> <laughs> it is shoddy military housing.
0: There we go. Yeah. Th- that's the truth. Just saying. So... Half of our closet if is... If we sound
1: weird, it's because we have a wall being currently padded. Does that sound... Is that right?
0: Well, yeah, because in normal studios... It's really
1: padded, being no. blocked off.
0: Right, but you pad the walls in a normal studio right, yeah. for soundproofing. That's also why we record in a closet. The clothes... I hung mean, if you clothes... think that we
1: sound bad all the time, it might be extra bad now.
0: <laughs> anyway, I'm just looking behind me, and there's piles and piles of clothes. And... Maybe
1: we'll post a picture of our funny yeah. closet. And, uh,
0: so... Anyway, our recording situation is just... Humorous. Yeah, It's exactly. rather humorous. It's good stuff. So anyway, where are we going tonight with this one, babe?
1: Uh, We're going to play another round of roulette.
0: This was my favorite. Okay. I hope we keep doing this.
1: All right, so pick a number. One through... Let's say one through 15.
0: Okay, last week I picked three, right? I think so. So I can't pick the same one.
1: Well, you could. There's no <laughs> Um,
0: I'm going to pick seven this time. Okay. Okay. We need a drum roll, or that or was
1: even, three,
0: or even four, the roulette five, roulette table sounds. You know,
1: this one may be like not as fun for you though.
0: No. So what about twelve? What about twelve? 12? 12's my other favorite number.
1: Covenant kids, salvation, objectivity of the covenant. Yeah. Do you want to do that one?
0: Well, that was what I talked to you about earlier. Remember? and
1: I, and I added it to our list.
0: Bam. All right.
1: The other one that you picked was <laughs> we could do both. Women growing through female authors only.
0: <laughs> hey, I have something valuable to say to that.
1: We could talk about both. That's fine.
0: Yeah, let's do both. We'll just we'll do our little break. You know,
1: <laughs> two things that have nothing to do with <laughs> each other. Maybe they do, and once we talk about them, there'll be yeah.
0: a maybe our, a our eyes will be opened. Maybe to the uh, connection betwixt the two.
1: Okay. All right. So, what do you want to start?
0: Uh, let's start with the ladies one. <laughs> get that over with (laughs) Well, it's very valuable very valuable
1: no it's just like i've been making these little lists of things that i've thought of throughout my day Mm -hmm. i'll honestly send a text message to myself so i have a whole (laughs) whole... so it's there twice (laughs) yeah basically
0: i know i text myself all the time
1: it might be kind of weird but it is a way for me to make a list without forgetting yeah and so Every time, like, I look on certain Facebook sites that I'm a part of, whether it's, like, homeschooling, you know, pages or, you know, female pages. Anyway, even in reform circles, women are always asking for resources.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. And... 99% of the time. Yes,
1: by and large, the only resources given to women to grow in or through are other female authors.
0: Yeah. So...
1: So that irritates me.
0: So why has that irritated you? What what perturbed you so? Well, I just think like you needed to okay, write Okay, well, this down. first
1: of all, half, probably at least half of where I am today has come from like just you pushing me, not pushing me. That may be a bad way of saying it. Suggesting? But like, no, but like like bringing me along with you mm-hmm. in your personal growth. So when you're going to take seminary classes or reading a book or whatever, you will often bounce ideas off of me or say, like, listen to this podcast, read this paragraph, read this chapter, whatever it Mm is. And so I grow with you. Most of those resources that you give me are not female authors. Some have been. Have they? Yeah, like your Christian education book you were just talking about. Oh, that's true. Like half the authors were female. That's true. There have been some, to be fair. Mm -hmm. But by and large, they're mostly men. And even with... Like a lot of our changing theology, maturing in some of our beliefs, a lot of that just came from systematic theologies.
0: Right. Yeah, and just understanding a new framework for yeah. for our faith. Well, really. getting
1: a framework. Like most women don't a, have a, a consistent framework. Framework. Well, they, yeah, they have one. I guess you could say it's just not a good one.
0: Yeah. Right. You'd say everyone has a worldview. Or everyone a, conscious, has a framework, but yeah, but whether it's consistent or biblical is a whole other issue. Right. So. My mind goes right to why. Why is it always 99% of the time females that are suggested?
1: Well, I think some of it is like the feminist lie. We believe that only a woman has authority to say anything to us. Because unless you are a woman, you dare not say how a woman ought to think or act.
0: Do you think some of that falls into what we've been talking about lately about the sin of empathy?
1: Yep, for sure.
0: And how, like, you can only speak into a situation or into someone's life if you have literally been through the exact same thing or if you can connect or relate right. on exactly the same level. So if you're not a mom of three, don't tell me how to be a mom of three.
1: Right. You only have one child. How dare you tell me how I should right. organize my life? Even yeah. if it's a great tip, you only have one. So it obviously isn't going to work for me. might
0: work for your one, but it's probably not going to work for yeah. my three.
1: Or, But taking it to a spiritual mm-hmm. aspect... It's a weird thing for me to even say we can only learn from women because we're supposed to be under the authority of our own pastors Mm -hmm. and elders. And so if you feel as though you can learn from your pastor, but you can't learn from other men. Right. There's some weird disconnect there.
0: Yeah, because essentially his sermon on Sunday every week is a chapter of a book, right? And... You're learning in that way. So why all the rest of the week it must be from
1: I think women think it's okay to learn from dead men, but probably not men that are still alive.
0: Well, I think there's some (laughs) particular value to the dead men.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, that's true. But I'm just saying, like, no one's doing that with female authors. Like, no one's sitting around waiting for, you know, Jen Wilkin to fail or other female mm-hmm. authors like even jen wilkins kind of shoddy now but like nancy Demoss like no one's mm-hmm. waiting to like recommend her book to see if she lives up to her potential mm-hmm. or lives up to who she's supposed to be or like no one's yeah. doing that everyone's freely recommending her resources but then i've literally seen women say well he's He's a man and he can still fail. I don't know. I, I do think there's a yeah. lot of feministic ideas right, right. behind there. And at the very least, I just think there could be some lie somewhere in their minds that would lead them to believe that they're not smart enough to pick up a systematic theology book and actually learn something from it.
0: Because the church has told them.
1: Because the church has by and large told them that is yeah. for men.
0: Yeah, that's a that, yeah, sin of the church that we've talked about several times that needs to be reversed and... Women's Bible studies do need to be picking up systematic theologies and going through them. Or the new bovink book that comes mm-hmm. out. That They should be going through that. Right. The dude studies shouldn't just be going through Well, that. and I,
1: I honestly think if women were to be doing that, we would get a higher grade of female authorship.
0: Uh, yeah. I we know wouldn't have to settle
1: of- for the Beth Moore stupid studies or the feel-good girl wash-your-face crap. Like, we could actually have something like, tangible and have something with a little bit of bite to it. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Well, and that's why the men do it. Yeah. Because they go, this is the most valuable. Yeah. And that's why we're not doing Joel Osteen. Yeah. Or another shoddy man who writes books, you know?
1: Yeah. So there's a woman's Bible study <laughs> that shall remain nameless.
0: Okay. It's
1: on my post. <laughs> um, it is curated towards protestant women okay and every time they pick a beth moore study or uh who's the last girl
0: priscilla schreier
1: priscilla schreier and there was another christine one kane christine kane no there's another one too
0: um
1: i can't remember her name i don't read any of these people so
0: tykers t- t- t-
1: tier cursed tier cursed
0: yeah L- lisa lisa
1: Liza? lisa lisa maybe that's her name anyway it's
0: lisa it's spelled special
1: they're all the same in my mind <laughs> They always do these kinds of studies. Yeah. And when I did attend last year,
0: mm-hmm.
1: I thought, well, this is very terrible. But maybe.
0: <laughs> but maybe you I tried could. so hard to find a good. Yeah, word.
1: and I volunteered to like help and to yeah. lead, and they just were not interested in anything I had to offer.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So I stopped going for a, pl- a plethora of reasons. One of them just being there was no value in any of it, and I just thought it was a waste of my time, quite frankly. But as I am watching this group shrink slowly, the Mm -hmm. only women left in this group are, like, the gossips. Is that okay to say?
0: Sure. Nobody knows what you're talking about. Again,
1: these people are... They're all nameless, so it's not me gossiping. But anyway, this is just an object lesson. Right, right, right. Okay.
0: Just an exhibit A.
1: Exhibit A. And these particular women, there's, like, I don't know, three or four of them left. And all of them have done terrible damage in this bible study i mean ripped mm-hmm. friendships apart lied gossiped called child protective services on, i mean it's like real bad stuff like yeah. real bad sins and i just stop and think you're going to this bible study but somehow what you're learning there isn't convicting you of your sin
0: yeah there's no True effect. And there's on. no
1: accountability. There's, and this is just how you know, like, you're doing your Bible study and it means nothing to people, mm-hmm. you know? Right. So it's interesting to me, though, how women naturally love to talk and women naturally love to share stories and, like... That's true. That's why so much in Scripture women are warned against gossiping and warned against being idler. Being quiet. Yeah. And- <laughs> <laughs> it turns out it's kind of a problem for the ladies. But it's interesting to me that that would be a trait that women have. So if that is a, a trait most women have, not all the ladies, some are better at controlling their tongues than others. Mm-hmm. But if that's something that women have, how do we help women sanctify that character trait?
0: You give them a better study, right? You actually be a, a true leader leading them in the study of God's word, not this fluffy nonsense that comes from LifeWay all the time.
1: Yeah. Well, that was what I was thinking, too. Like, give them something better to talk about than other people. Have mm-hmm. you seen that little saying that says something like, average minds talk about other people, and excellent minds talk about subjects, events, and then, hmm. like, superior minds talk about theories and...
0: Oh, yeah, yeah ...you're know yeah, talking yeah. about... No, I've never seen it, but that makes sense.
1: Anyway, it's like this little it's
0: like levels of thought. Or yeah, whatever. like levels
1: of intelligence. Yeah, and, and I obviously some sound, obviously sounds super stupid because I can't remember how it goes. But basically, the whole point of this chart is just to say if all you can talk about are other people and their business, then you
0: you're staying at the lowest. You're level You're very of average. Thinking. Yeah. yeah, but if
1: you can talk about events or you know current events, things like that, then like you're a little bit better than the average person. You can carry on a yeah. conversation at a little bit higher of an intelligence. And then if you can talk about theories and ideas and possibilities mm-hmm. and we would say like theology. Right. Philosophy. Cos- yeah. yeah. Then you have elevated yourself to it a, a type of thinking that is beyond just the primal right. human Base level. level. Yeah. So it's thinking like, okay, so most women are typically at the average talking about like gossip, slander, right. other people's business. Did how you do we hear? how do we get women to start talking about theories, ideas, theology, biblical concepts, systematic theologies?
0: Then what we do is we need to give them a book that talks about those things and stop giving them books for their studies that talk only about their personal lives with mm-hmm. other people.
1: Relational issues
0: relationship issues. Because I'm sure everyone listening goes, yeah, well, that's all the books. Those are all the women's Bible study books. Mm -hmm. It's just how you relate to your husband, your kids, your friend. Are you gossiping? Are you on and on and on Mm -hmm. you go? And all that's doing is keeping keeping their focus on that base level of thinking.
1: And to some extent, I don't think it's necessarily bad to think about. It's not an
0: irrelevant level of thinking. Right. It's just
1: if you can't move past it into because in a sense, we should almost flip it. In a sense, if you can think about biblical theology and systematic theology Mm -hmm. and biblical concepts, ideas, whatever, then you will be able to relate to your children and to your husband properly. Like you're working almost from the wrong end. Mm -hmm. So this is my beef with women only reading or only asking for female authors. I just think, like, you're really narrowing your pool of (laughs) thought.
0: Right. Well, and I think some of those leaders would even shut down the theology book and go, well, I'd really want to just stay more practical. Mm -hmm. Like, that's even their aim. Mm -hmm. Well,
1: and I know women like Nancy DeMoss Walgamuth has often said and praised male authors. Mm -hmm. Um, She praises her husband all the time who is an author, yeah. and she would never say, like, only read my books or only read right. female. So I think the best female authors would point you to other male authors mm-hmm. who they've learned from.
0: And the thing about pastors and the male authors, especially the ones that are theologians, that are professors in seminaries, those are typically the ones writing most of these theology books, is that they're the most studied. It's literally their job to study and write on this stuff. Right. And so in what other realm of our lives do we say, I would rather take the content from the person who's less researched?
1: Well, but that statement right there would piss off so many <laughs> women because you're basically saying that women are dumb. They're not as smart as the professor or the pastor.
0: Well, and and you'd be ridiculous to say that you are. Like, what, what woman who does yeah. – you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm it's sorry. that's true. A, yeah, it's just Well, true. especially
1: if you are being biblical because a woman – shouldn't be a pastor or right. like a seminary professor. So and so
0: by calling, they're going to have spent a whole lot more time.
1: Devoted to that profession. <laughs> devoted
0: to the apostles teaching. Yeah. Right. Which is we, writing We good. need to not wait tables. We need to devote ourselves to the study and preaching of God's word. And so they get to spend hours and hours and hours and hours and hours to do that as they're mm-hmm. calling. So that's going to be where the finest gold is
1: right and that's why women need to spend their precious hours not you know on these menial stupid little Mm -hmm. bible studies right that lifeway gives to us we need to go for the good stuff right away we don't have as much time we're changing diapers we're you know budgeting we're writing out grocery lists we're folding laundry we're kissing boo-boos on the elbows and Mm -hmm. knees like we've got other things going on right so when you have that 30 minutes to read before bed, make it a good book. Right. Make it something rich and meaty and that will stick with you.
0: And if you lead a women's study, I would say just pick something.
1: Pick up a Berkhoff. Yeah. You want to get women talking about theology? Pick up Berkhoff's Systematic Theology and go through it super slow. And you yeah. will see, I mean, just plentiful
2: yeah. fruit get come from Get the smaller
0: one. The manual for Christian doctrine is smaller each chapter is short and very readable, and there's even questions at the end to help guide discussion about... You won't
1: need to. Women like to talk.
0: So maybe don't. <laughs> maybe you don't need to. <laughs> I the... mean, you can, but yeah. I'm just saying.
1: If you pick that up, you won't need any aids. Women will be talking.
0: But there are books like that coming out all the time. Mm-hmm. I I keep seeing emails um, from publishers right now about a new Bavink book that came out because mm-hmm. they're slowly translating his right. stuff into English. And most of those aren't huge books. Shoot, take half the book. And then half the book next year or mm-hmm. something. But that stuff is meaty. It's rich. It's so valuable for the church, uh, you know, from these uh, gifted men that God has given us.
1: Mm-hmm. If you want strong, driven, skilled female warriors, do not give them a watered-down, wimpy study. Don't
0: Damn. give them a foam sword. No. Right.
1: Well, that wouldn't be their weapon to brandish anyway.
0: (laughs) I'm just saying they're still in war and they have weapons. (laughs) Don't give them a Nerf weapon.
1: Yeah. Like, I I think it was Rachel Jankovic who was talking about raising her daughters and she was talking about how she always tells her daughters, like, we don't need weak women in this family. Mm -hmm. Like, we're not raising weak women. Right. You need to be resilient and we're not going to just pander to your weakest emotion. Like we're gonna learn to train your emotions. Mm-hmm. We're gonna learn that by teaching you the word of God. Yeah. Stop with this emotional water down <laughs> mumbo jumbo. I can't take it anymore.
0: I love it. And those are probably some of the only uh women that we could even recommend at this point. Like the Nancy Wilson and then Doug Wilson's daughters. Yeah Rachel Nance- Jankovic, Becca Merkel. Yeah, Becca Merkel.
1: Nancy Demoss Walgamuth.
0: Yeah. And there may be some others, but those are the ones right now I that mean, are putting out of content that is. Jen
1: Wilkins' first Women of the Word book was pretty. It was just a hermeneutics book,
0: and that's probably still very helpful. I think it is. I think that's yeah. pretty
1: good. Any of her Bible book studies, I'm very leery of because she's pretty antinomian.
0: Yeah, yeah, she would lean into the uh, new covenant theology side of things For much sure. more with her, her the stream she's. And Floating in. She's
1: for sure, what did we say, a comp- complementarian... Mirage. Mirage.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: <laughs> She's a mirage of complementarianism. Yeah. So anyway, that was a fun little get it off your chest vent.
0: Get out of your crawl.
1: Yep. It's been sticking in there for a while.
0: It happens. Are we going to go to break real quick and then come talk sure. about uh, Children of the Covenant? Let's do it. All right. Enjoy this commercial from our friends over at Reconciled Media. And we'll be right back. Hey guys, this is Brian. And this is Jesse. And we run Reconciled Media. We create reformed, presuppositional, and post-millennial content. Check out Reconciled Radio, where we've interviewed guests like Joel McDermott and Darren Dome. And the Alpina Antithesis, where we engage with the issues and events around our community from a full orb, faith for all of life, Christian worldview. Both shows can be found on Apple Podcasts at Reconciled Media. Go to facebook.com slash reconcile media to stay up to date with our latest content, memes of the week, and our reconciled recommendations. Thanks, and go cultivate kingdom culture. All right, we're back. And we are ready to talk about our children in the covenant. And what exactly are we talking about? We've
1: been talking about women and children on this episode.
0: So we're talking about family.
1: We talk about family a lot.
0: I know. It's because we are a family. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It is an ever applicable topic for us.
1: It's an applicable topic for everyone because everyone's part of a family. True. That's what I'm going to say.
0: All right. I like it.
1: Okay, so when I say to you, objectivity of the Covenant, mm-hmm. who pops in your brain?
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doug Wilson. Anyone else? Anybody who's Federal Vision. <laughs> so, Peter Lightheart. Yeah. Um, But then it would be Steve Wilkins, Rich Lusk, and... John Barrick and Jeff Myers, and a lot of them were associated with Federal Vision. I don't know how many of them still to this day even carry the title because the title has become... Something, some uh, kind
1: of byword?
0: Yeah, it's become a hissing <laughs> and a byword. And those who disagree with them have distilled what they believe into something uh, very truncated, unnuanced, and... Most people who used to like that title don't anymore.
1: Well, even Doug Wilson himself has adamantly uh, stated that he would not identify as part of the Federal Vision movement any longer. Yeah. And then the people who hate Federal Vision would say, well, yes, but he still holds to all the tenets of the faith.
0: Yeah. Doug Wilson today on the podcast said, even if I drafted up a statement that like R. Scott Clark, who's like his ardent enemy... Nemesis. ...agreed with, and he signed it in blood and gave it to him <laughs> and said, I agree with you, he would still say, I don't believe you. Yeah. So it's just it's just ridiculous. But yes, when Some you say... Some people just
1: like to be contrarian.
0: Yeah. It's kind of... I mean, if that's how you get traffic on your blog, I mean, what else are you going to do?
1: Mm, so fighting words. Cutting the
0: heart of the issue. <laughs> so yes, when you say objectivity of the covenant, I think of... Than,
1: okay. What do federal. you mean by objectivity of a covenant? For those who are not Presbyterian mm-hmm. or those who are maybe new to Presbyterianism, can you right. just explain that?
0: Well, most people have heard the term visible church. Mm-hmm. And they go, oh, and that's a very easy term to understand. You're visible with your eyes. It's what you see. And in,
1: so it'd be anyone who gathers at church on the reg.
0: Right. And... I would just go a little bit further and say that largely agree with just visible church. It's what you see. But it, it must be someone who is names the name of Christ and they call themselves a Christian. Yes, they come to church and they're baptized. Mm-hmm. Now, I get it. If your church only does baptize, baptisms in the summer and you're waiting. Yeah, you're still a Christian. Right. right? You're you just, still part of the visible church. You haven't, yeah, haven't taken part of that yet. I got You just I got go to a that. shoddy church. Exactly. Because they should be baptizing you right away.
1: Take that, Mark Jennifer.
0: (laughs) Especially, and also the kids. But objectivity of the covenant just means it's what we see in history in front of our eyes.
1: So we would say in the Old Testament, the Israelites, the Jewish nation, Mm -hmm. were the church of God. Right. They were his covenant people so if you were born into a jewish israelite family you were a jewish israelite child and you were part of that covenant
0: right you were not a philistine you were not or a
1: moabite a or moabite
0: or a syrian or a babylonian you were a jew
1: that's who you were and so there was the kingdom of god and then there were the enemies of god
0: right and that has that has continued the 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 term assembly, which is what the people of Israel were called, is the same term ecclesia, where we get church from. Mm-hmm. And so we, the church is still the covenant people of God in the same way. Mm-hmm. And so when we say objectivity of the covenant, we're just saying the covenant people of God here on earth that we see in history. That is the visible church.
1: When we say something is objective, what does right. that mean?
0: That's something that you can see.
1: It's definitive.
0: Yeah. Something you can put your finger on. Yep. It's not subjective, right? Subjective could be different. It could be like... One person to another.
1: Right. Like your perception of something.
0: Yeah. And so another thing that we mean when we say objectivity, the covenant, is those peoples who are Christian, right? They're not Buddhist. They're not Hindu. They're not...
1: Humanist, agnostic.
0: right? They're not that. They're Christian. Right. So we're not talking about spiritual matters we're not talking about the mind of god or anything we're just talking about right here on earth what do we see you are what i'm a christian well it's funny because
1: even our kids will do that with their friends like oh are you a christian
0: Uh uh-huh right
1: our kids know like you have to identify with something right what are you
0: yeah so so that's what we mean
1: right okay so even in presbyterian circles you can see a lot of chatter some divisive about this topic, Mm -hmm. the objectivity of the covenant, what would be the predominant view on this particular issue? Like most PCA, most OPC, most Presbyterians, when they're talking about the objectivity of the covenant, Mm -hmm. would they view it favorably? Like would they say, yes, children are?
0: Yeah, so the issue usually is children. And that's typically because people want to say, well, they're not a Christian yet. But once they say that, they are now talking about spiritual things. They're now talking about eternal things, the mind of God, mm-hmm. his sovereign decree, whether they are, you know, elect or not, whether the Holy Spirit has regenerated that kid yet or not. As soon as they say, well, I don't know if he's a Christian yet, they've now jumped out of objectivity and jumped into subjectivity. Because So if-
1: the parents want to play God.
0: Well, yeah. And the problem with Presbyterians is that when we believe in covenant theology, as we do, and baptize the kid, well, why do you baptize him? You baptize him because he's a part of the covenant people. Yeah. Just as a child was... Because he's in the Lord. Right. He was born in the Lord, in the covenant people. 1 Corinthians 7 says that a child of a believer is sanctified, Mm -hmm. is holy. And so... The promise of the new covenant is still given to you and to your children, so they're Christian. And God Objectiv- even ob- objectively, objectively <laughs> they are Christian. So that that's why you baptize them. They're not Christian because you baptize them. Right. You baptize them because they're Christian. Right. And you're not waiting. I mean, you you hope to look for signs of fruit, right, of the Holy Spirit's working in their life.
1: Because if there is no fruit, then they will be cut off from the covenant people and they will receive the judgment right, the that is reserved curse. for, yeah, for, for those who were part of the covenant and didn't remain or abide in the branch.
0: Right. They will have been one who has trampled the Lord's blood under their feet because their whole life they've been offered mm-hmm. in their baptism, in family worship, in worship at church on Sunday. Right. They've been offered Jesus. And once they walk away, it's trampling the blood underfoot. Exactly. You see that in Hebrews. But they
1: are connected to something. We see that clearly. Yep. They're not just like a branch on the ground waiting to be connected to the true vine. Like mm-hmm. they are connected. And yeah. if they reject the source of nutrients. Exactly. They will be cut off and thrown into the fire.
0: Exactly. Happy thoughts. The lake the, the lake of fire, right? Is, yeah. Lake is a watery symbol. Um, and that corresponds to the curse of baptism. Yep. Right. The the other thing we we miss in this is that people will say, Well, I don't want to assure my kid of something that's not true. I don't want to tell them they're a Christian and all this kind of stuff and give them false hope. Yeah, yeah. Give them false hope or or you know, you probably know a lot of people growing up in Wisconsin that are well, I'm Lutheran. And they were just given this assurance because they were confirmed or because uh these things that they did, and mm-hmm. I, I've heard this from several Catholics, like, you are clearly not a godly person. Yeah. You're know, like, well, I was baptized and all this stuff. And I'm like, it's obviously not meaning anything to you. Right. Um, The thing is, is the message for the unbeliever is the same message for the believer, right? We're offered Jesus and we're called to repentance, trust, faith, obedience. Right. Whether you are, quote unquote, saved or not, whether <laughs> objectively or subjectively, the same thing is always offered. Mm-hmm. And so that really shouldn't be a struggle. Right. The struggle comes when, like you said a minute ago, we try and play God. And we, all we do is preach at the kid, well, it's God's election, and it's only up to him to ever you know, give you a new heart, and you I just don't stay understand. there.
1: Okay, so this is coming from someone who was a Baptist my whole life, and just recently, in the last few years, became Presbyterian. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how you can be presbyterian and not believe this. Like this kind of really shook me when I understood that like some presbyterians don't believe this.
0: Yeah, I think I think both of us both of us were kind of And I of...
1: don't know if it's cuz we're new presby.
0: <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> it's
1: like new money versus old
0: money. <laughs> That's really funny. But like <laughs> We don't know how to act. <laughs> like yeah, this just We're not seems, acting like all the others like us. <laughs> this seems
1: very basic to me. This is what's so convincing to me yeah, in scripture. Right. I, I it's just kind of mind boggling to me.
0: Yeah. Like this was the principle that
1: that convinced us. Yeah,
0: carried us over was hey, your your kids are Christians. We're like, yeah, like oh, God commands sh- them right. to
1: obedience. Right. Because they're his people.
0: Yeah. Obey your mother and father. Yeah. He's not telling that to pagan nations. <laughs> no like pagan kids part of the struggle and this is going to be a little church history is i think presbyterianism has gone through some ebbs and flows some people in the federal vision crowd will kind of knock charles hodge and some of those others during that time because their commentaries and the stuff they wrote was very heavily like five points of calvinism we would say like decretally uh, elect type terminology And they didn't really talk about this sort of stuff, and they kind of walked away from the sacraments and including children and Mm -hmm. kind of having that rich um, understanding of the church and went more towards attacking Arminianism. Mm -hmm. And I want to help (laughs) other Presbyterians see that, um, that some people are just kind of a product of their time, and we need to understand that. I've heard some disparaging things about Jonathan Edwards and some others during that time where They really walked away from the sacraments of the church, and it was just all Mm -hmm. about preaching and not giving. And that's
1: where the church is now. Very much, I feel like. Yeah, and. Well, in the Baptist church, particularly, they don't have a very high view of the sacraments. No, not
0: at all. And and the ones that, um, and and they don't.
1: I shouldn't say all Baptist churches, but like a lot of just typical Southern Baptist churches don't. Like the one that we went to, we took communion once a year.
0: I know, and not even well. I never even took it actually on a Sunday. I think you did when I was away for training, but yeah, it was Marty Thursday. Remember? Yeah, yeah. I was like, I'm so happy. Okay, so twice a year. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) So frequent, and and obviously we would say there needs to be a balance. You need to have you need to have both. You need to have strong preaching and a strong view of sacraments. That's a healthy healthy. Those are the two
1: things that God has commanded His people to do. Yeah, baptize take the Lord's Supper, preach the word.
0: And and has particularly ordained his grace to come through. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So.
1: I mean, that's something you could probably briefly touch on, too, is, is what you just said. Because some people might hear that and be like, whoa. Yeah. God well, confers his grace to people <laughs> through baptism or taking the Lord's Supper. What is that supposed to mean? Are you basically saying that your children are saved because they're baptized?
0: No, but at some level... You, you have to talk like Jesus. Oh. Don't we? All
1: right, Baptists. <laughs> come back, p- <laughs> come at Grant.
0: So we love to nuance in the church.
1: <laughs> oh, this one's gonna be so <laughs> intense.
0: So we love to nuance in the church, and we love to say, um, "Okay, I say this," and we read a Bible verse, and then we go on for paragraphs. Of, of nuance and qualification, and what he really meant, and what he really meant, and what we have in the Bible is we have Jesus saying saying stuff like, "Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you." Now, of course, he does go on, but Jesus also does not go on and go. What I really mean is, yeah, on and on and on. I don't really mean that. What I'm trying, I'm just, I'm trying to like, you know, get at your imaginative side.
1: Just being artsy. It's artsy Jesus. Yeah. No. <laughs> Hipster Jesus. There's
0: something real that happens. And if your eyes are opened, you see it. And that's what Jesus says all the time. Mm-hmm. They're blinded. They, they don't get it because they're blinded. Right. And even the apostles told him, this is really hard to understand. And, he's, and he even tells them, like, even you don't get it? Like, oh, man.
1: The Holy Spirit will come and he'll he'll right. give you understanding. Yeah.
0: And so we need to see their sacraments as they are because Paul talked about it in First Corinthians 10. They drank the spiritual drink. We don't say it's just a symbol. It's mm-hmm. a ju- No, it is spiritual drink. Yeah. And it was more, and it's supposed to be more than just taking a little bit of wine and <laughs> <laughs> eating a little bit of bread. It is supposed to be more than that. Yeah. You know, if it was an indictment on the people of Israel in the desert, who didn't have belief—that's what First Corinthians ten is all about. These people walked in the desert, and they drank from the spiritual rock, and they ate the bread of life from heaven, manna. And he sa- and Paul says this was all Christ, and don't be like them who uh, disbelieved. Mm-hmm. There was something. There was something more there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and he says we do the same thing. We are eating the same spiritual food and drink. Yeah. So there has to be something more there, and if it's Christ, then it's grace.
1: Yeah, the Presbyterian view would be real presence, right? That's yeah, what we uh, call Calvin.
0: It. Yeah, John Calvin's view of real presence is that it's not that the elements themselves turn into anything else at all. Even Luther's view was a little, a little dodgy. Yeah. And Calvin said, no, it. There's a spiritual presence there where we, by the presence of the Spirit, are fed spiritually on Christ.
1: Our pastor has explained it to us um, in a way that I have found very helpful. He said, just like the Holy Spirit attaches himself to the words that I preach on a Sunday morning, Mm -hmm. so also the Holy Spirit attaches himself to the elements. and." nourishes you in the same way the Holy Spirit nourishes you with my sermon being preached, with the word of God being preached. Right. And it's not like, like you said, it's not like the bread or wine become the actual Mm -hmm. body or blood of Christ or like no weird magical thing happens. Yeah. It's not like that. It's just that the Holy Spirit attaches himself to certain elements and Mm -hmm. he uses them to confer grace.
0: There's a lot of church history tied up in the sacraments and how.
1: Yeah, <laughs> we're like doing a quick. I know the,
0: <laughs> the sacraments became a political tool, you know, during the well,
1: and even now, because I think Roman they're trying to, to like get Nancy Pelosi uh,
0: denied from, from the sacraments yeah, or whatever, or Eucharist. barred barred mm-hmm. from the Eucharist. Yeah, and, and so yeah, there's a whole lot more we could say about that, but
1: that's that's just extra.
0: But if you just take John, John six first Corinthians 10 and 11 and, and there's other places too, but just reading those and seeing how Paul talks about the Lord's supper and how he even talks about baptism and other places about uh, those who have been baptized, have been clothed with Christ. Mm -hmm. Like there's something there. We do have to say something's there.
1: Well, and it's, we can take this metaphor or whatever you want to call it over mm-hmm. into baptism too, because he would say, surely every time a pastor preaches, mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit does attach himself to that verbal proclamation of God's word and right. changes hearts, but sometimes not. Like, right? Sometimes unbelievers will be sitting in that pew and their hearts are not stirred. Right. And there that's... is no regeneration that happens. Right. We would say the same thing happens with our infants, right? They can be Mm -hmm. baptized. The Holy Spirit can be attached to that baptism. And that infant's heart is not going to be regenerated because that's not one of God's elect.
0: Yeah. And the Westminster and other people would say that if that child is saved at 12 years old, the Holy Spirit was still attached to that baptism. Right.
1: He was working and wooing. Right.
0: And the other thing, too, about um, what you said about the Holy Spirit attaching himself to it is that. The word preached alongside baptism and right. the Lord's yep. Supper is is what makes it significant too. Because if you and I just sit here and have some bread and juice, it's just bread and juice. Right. But if we start preaching the word and start talking about what it means um, in, re- in relation to what Jesus has done and all that, now it's become something else. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with baptism. You talk about what it represents and what it does. And what it's doing for this person by being marked by the name of God, Mm -hmm. being set apart from, you know, everyone else in the world. It's a big deal. Mm -hmm. Some of the, you know, Muslim nations and other places. The
1: Jews. We have a really funny story of one of our friends being baptized as a Jew, like into the Jewish synagogue. Oh,
0: shoot. Yeah, you're right. that was. (laughs) I won't share his story,
1: but he ended up in a river naked in the middle of the night. It's really funny. You know who you are. If you're listening.
0: Yeah. I hope he's listening. <laughs> and um but you know, other countries understand baptism better than we do.
1: Oh, I bet you were giving it a, a bad example of how other nations do baptism too. But no, this is ineffective.
0: I was uh, making a disparaging comment to the Christian church because we look at baptism and think, oh, yeah, I guess it's that thing we got to do real quick. Yeah.
1: It's like it's like a check it off the list once a year. We'll we'll knock yeah. it out because we have to.
0: But other religions in the world look at it and go, you're being marked as not us. Right. That's a big deal. And so I was at a church, uh, a fairly large church that live streamed every week. And there was a guy who was originally from China. Mm hmm. And his family back in China is not Christian, but knows that he's, you know, in the States, going to college and all this kind of stuff. And they cut the live feed while he was being baptized Mm -hmm. because uh, the family would probably freak out and they just didn't want to.
1: I've heard of that happening, too, with like Muslims who are baptized because like harm will actually befall their family.
0: Right. So it's interesting and sad. That most of the Christian church in America...
1: Has such a low view of the sacraments. Right. And maybe the, even in Presbyterian churches, because we've gone to a couple of Presbyterian churches that don't take communion every Sunday, maybe quarterly mm-hmm. or something like that. And perhaps that's even why this objectivity of the covenant is even controversial within Presbyterian churches, because we don't even understand the sacraments to well, begin with.
0: And if they if they are ignoring the objective part of it, right, that would make sense. Because that is something objective in front of our face that we can touch and yeah. and taste and and see with our eyes. And so there there's sort of this lingering Gnostic tendency, right? That the spiritual, the unseen is what's really valuable.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: And and what we see in front of us is is kind of of lower mm-hmm. grade. And that's that's not how the Bible presents it. Right. And that's what the the tension, the balance between the two. Is is where we need to lay because we're living in this body forever. Sure, right. it's gonna be glorified, but and this earth. This earth will be glorified. So we need to live in that tension and balance uh between the two, right? Yep. Um, something to go along with this objectivity of the covenant that I would like to know your thoughts about. Oh geez. Is a debate that has gone on in the reformed world. I don't know if this debate's happened anywhere else. But it's the idea of presumptive regeneration. And I know a lot of the Puritans debated about this and some Dutch Reform people have debated about are this. Are you
1: asking me if I just presume that my children are regenerated? Yeah. Yeah, I do.
0: <laughs> I do too. I feel like if if God has promised us if the covenant is for your for you and your children. Yeah. Then if I if I don't presume that, aren't you sort of just not believing God's promise? Yeah. And this is coming, I'm coming at this with like pretty little well, study. Well,
1: King David did too, right? Like King David exactly. presumed that his unborn child with Bathsheba was regenerated, that he would see it someday, yeah. he would meet it one day. Um, and there are other in- instances too that we could point to kind of similar to that. But I just think we have to believe that. Now, just because I believe my children are regenerated does not mean that I don't have a responsibility to like bring them up in the fear and admonition of the Lord. Right, because they, that's a command given to me.
0: Yeah, if you if you mean that's um I can that means you can check out of your parental duties. That, then you're this you're as bad as the person who goes, I'm predestined. So right. I'm good. I'm gonna go party.
1: And I would say because I believe my children are regenerated. That's all the more reason why I should disciple them right. because they do have the Holy Spirit enabling them to live holy lives. So yeah. let me teach them what that looks like.
0: Well, I need to be discipled. Yeah. I'm regenerated. Yeah. So I believe yeah, if I presume that they are because... God's, you know, made a promise. Well,
1: and sanctification is a process for everyone, like you're saying. So mm-hmm. even for our children, because a two-year-old has a temper tantrum, does that make them not regenerated? Like, I have to just believe that John the Baptist, who was regenerated in utero, right, had a temper tantrum once in his life. Mm-hmm. Like he was certainly sin sinful, and he himself said he wasn't fit to tie the sandals of Christ. So yeah. So I mean, do we really believe that like John the Baptist didn't grow in sanctification?
0: Right. Yeah. So what about the kids who grow up and they don't believe? Then they did God fail in his promises?
1: No, then God saw fit to judge them based on their baptism.
0: I think Romans tells us the answer to that question in saying, um, like Jacob and Esau.
1: Well, and who is like
0: for election to stand to stand. Yeah. Right? One he loved, one he hated.
1: And can the pot say to his maker, Why have you made me like this? Right.
0: Isaac, you know, still should have hugged his, you know, regenerate boys, right? Mm -hmm. He still should have, based on, you know, the revelation given him that here are my covenant children, both circumcised. But a Jew isn't one who is only one outwardly, circumcised outwardly.
1: So it's not just one who is baptized outwardly. Outwardly. It
0: is a true Christian. Is one who has had a baptized heart.
1: And this is where Doug Wilson is constantly getting crap mm-hmm. for like being called for his uh, workspace justification. Yeah. People are always saying like Doug Wilson believes in workspace righteousness because he's calling Christians to good works.
0: Oh, my gosh. And you know what? All you people out there who are <laughs> who don't believe Kanye a Christian and you're like waiting to see his fruit. You believe in workspace righteousness, yeah. Like you're doing the same thing,
1: because that actually is just how God tells us to like perceive good Christians, like just judge with righteous judgment. You'll know, (laughs) you'll know if a tree is good if it bears good fruit, exactly. And we're told to like spur each other on
0: to love and good works,
1: and the Holy Spirit has predestined good works that we might walk according to His will.
0: It is true that you are not saved by works, but you are saved to good works. Yeah, you're that's saved Ephesians unto them. Too. Yeah, exactly.
1: Like, if the Holy Spirit has regenerated you, you will do good works.
0: Yeah, but I, uh, it grates me that everyone is, you know, I don't know about Kanye, we'll, we'll have to see the fruit. Be like, you do that with who? Like, why, why just him? And then you're telling.
1: Well, I'm kind of leery with Kanye, but that's a whole I, other topic for a whole yeah, other day.
0: Just, just, right. <laughs> but those who are going, you know, what are you doing to your kids? What do you mean that you expect good fruit out of them and you, you know what I mean? Yeah. You're expecting good fruit out of Kanye. Well, so. isn't
1: that the children obey your parents? Like, children, do a good work, <laughs> right. obey your parents. <gasps> How dare you? How right. dare you tell a child to do a good work?
0: <laughs> kids like,
1: mom, you're a legalist. I know. They're not safe. I'm not saved by my works.
0: That would be so funny. (laughs) I would just laugh and then they'd go to the room.
1: That would be totally something one of our kids would do. Yeah. Our kids are really good at using Bible verses against us. I know. One day I was disciplining Nora and she goes, but the Bible says you shouldn't exasperate us.
0: (laughs) That's hilarious. (laughs) So I hope that was helpful. I hope that made some things clear.
1: I don't know; these like roulette episodes are turning into like really super random conversations. But you guys are along for the ride.
0: Yeah, I'm enjoying it thoroughly.
1: You guys have just... topics that you would like to throw onto the roulette board, roulette circle, roulette table. Yeah, maybe that's right. I think it's a table. Whatever it is, it's really just my thread. I don't thread. gamble
0: or go to a casino, yeah. so I don't know. They're all Brent, tables to me. Grant
1: gambled in Vegas once, <laughs> and he won a penny.
0: I don't like to brag, but. <laughs> It was a good time. Anyway, we did
1: not invest that penny wisely.
0: Nope. Well, thank you guys for listening.
1: Did I finish my thought? Uh, if you have thoughts just, or oh. ideas to throw onto the roulette table. table, send them our way. I'll add it to the list, and we can do more of these like random roulette yeah. conversations.
0: And we'll make sure you get credit too. We'll say who suggested. If you it. want credit, and if you don't want credit, we won't mention. Then we'll blame your name.
1: it on someone of your choosing. Yeah, maybe if
0: you have a. There we go. That's good. I like that. <laughs> We'll blame it on someone else. But if you and if you don't want your name to be named because you're asking something, you know, quite controversial, that's fine. We will be back next week, everybody. So.
1: <gasps> Just drop my phone.
0: That's why we buy you the good cases.
1: When does this come out? The week before Christmas? Yeah. We haven't talked about Christmas at all.
0: Maybe we'll do Christmas next Maybe week. Maybe we'll
1: do Christmas next week.
0: Yeah. Do something about You guys Christmas. don't know what you're
1: getting next week because we don't know what we're giving you next week. Yeah. All right, guys, if we don't talk to you, Merry Christmas.
0: (laughs) Merry Christmas, everybody. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the Spirit. And until next time, get woke.
3: Let's start with the microphone check, one, two, first Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church The kind of things that you search, they say that the truth hurts Well this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth First things first, can't neglect us at the start I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart From original sin, the effects of the the sin of our first parents brought death to us all Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us and him were all rebels and dead Yo, Captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a dark state Alaska in the wintertime, sour in our frames Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames Cause we're powerless to change If you feel that weight, I pray that you respond happily As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3 that verse 1 is my thesis, Uh it's the deepest, truth that should get you speechless, what scripture teaches, will fill in the missing pieces, picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus, perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees, wicked spite against Christ, that turned this into naked night, he called the rabbi and gave him props, said he was a teacher from God, Jesus replied, made him stop, regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in, in fact you can't even see it, unless you're born again, that must have consumed and stretched his mind, cause he said, can a man enter his mother's womb, it's naturalistically the only way for him to hear it. Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit. No other way to enter heaven. That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27. In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent. The water symbolizes spiritual purification. Flesh can only produce flesh. That's true and factual. Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural. It's kind of like the wind, which is free. East to west can't perceive the steps. You can only see its effects. In the same way, the Holy Spirit chooses whom he pleases. to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. If it wasn't for the spirits, mysterious operation. Uh-huh. We will all be under serious condemnation. I'd still be rejecting the sun if God hadn't said, let there be light like Genesis 1. Yeah, It's just like the light could not refuse to shine, irresistible grace has renewed my mind, let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen, the new birth is not the effect of human decision, but the cause, it changes our natural habitation, the situation, it's a radical transformation, I was cursed and polluted, so my dirt was inexcusable, with new internal pupils, his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable, the lamb is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible, so let us respond with true worship and love to the God who was given new birth from above, we would have been with them, 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 we would have been with
2: them, we would have been with 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 them, we would have been, 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 we would have been